Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We're going back to the Sugar Club in late September, and tickets are available right now on eventbrite.ie. Grab them and join us for a great night of entertainment with special guests, and I promise you a bit of crack. As you know, this podcast is ad-free and sponsor-free. It relies on you to pay it forward to keep it free for everyone. What I'm asking you to do is click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It's at the top of the podcast you're listening to right now. It helps us stay independent and not have to worry about pulling punches or placating corporate sponsors and interests. It's the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis and you are genuinely helping the conversations like the one you're about to listen keep happening. There are thousands of people listening and it is amazing, but we're calling on you if you have it to chip in and keep the show on the road. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and back as promised, folks, uh, back back early this week and, and even before 2 p.m. Congratulations, Martin. It's Monday. Uh, you do know it's Monday, yes? Yeah, yeah, just about, yeah. Hey, can I ask you, now that you're a fascist blue tick Twitter, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you get secret handshakes or what do you get now with it? No, no, I like I'm testing it to see see can it actually spread an alternative message around, and I'm testing it to see if it can. Is the message you're a dope for giving Elon Musk eight quid a month? Well, look, eight quid a month versus I have to blow this bogus self employment stuff wide open. So, uh, you know, it's it to me it's a small sacrifice. It's going to help a lot of workers in Ireland. So, so I have to pay eight quid a month. So. You know me, Tony, I'll use any tool available in whatever way I can to blow this fraud wide open. And I will not stop. And a blue tick's not going to get in the way. It's simply not. Well, um, like, like that's your uh, that's your uh, your your pitch for 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 Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it. But we should move on. We are. Um, oh, if you're a patron, check your inbox. There's some news that we've shared in the last few hours, so you'll get that. You should have that there. Uh, and please act on it quickly because we can't keep it uh, behind the paywall forever. Uh, we are joined on the podcast for the first time in a while by. Uh, the, Forgive me now, Leisha. Right, we're joined by the Dublin Inquirer's uh, Leisha Nealon, who is, as we always say, there's, there's this kind of who's the best? Is it is it Killian Woods in the Business Post or is it Leisha Nealon? Uh, and and at the moment, Leisha, you've just pushed ahead as the, as the best person on the beat in in terms of housing uh, because you blew oh, open. Killian won't like that now. Oh well, you know he's out in Ashbourne. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, look, no, Alicia, uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to see you. And how are you keeping? I'm very well, Tony. Thank you. Yeah, well, look, before we um, get started into the, the the actual story we want to talk about today, I do want to say support the Dublin Enquirer. It is a small, independent, uh, no ads. The, the lads are out there and, and they're, they depend on subscribers alone. So uh, we say at the beginning because some of you switch off when you don't want to hear David O'Doherty sing us out for some reason anymore. Um, but but if if you can, throw them the few quid. It's a great subscription. There's, 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 you can gift them to other people if you're feeling generous as well. So support the Dublin Enquirer. You, they do fantastic work and known more so than, than Leisha. So Leisha, tell us, right? I've written down two, two little acronyms, CSO versus RTB. Uh, your story, uh, for me, was the biggest story last week that didn't get enough traction. Yeah. Um, so look, it obviously, I suppose th- there's been a narrative for a few years now that landlords are fleeing the market en masse, um, that they're all selling up um, and that the rental sector is shrinking. 
Now, obviously, there are landlords selling off and there are people becoming homeless. We know that. So like, that is a massive tragedy for those people. But when the census results came back, it showed that between 2016 and 22, the overall number of rental homes in Ireland had grown by 7%. Um, so the, the rental market didn't shrink in those years. Um, it grew. And obviously, the population is growing. So it would make sense that, you know, we'd have more people renting as well. Um, but it really makes you go, what makes you wonder kind of what's going on because the Residential Tenancies Board data each year has shown fewer and fewer registrations, 2017 down to 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021, all showing each year a decline in the number of registered tenancies. But then the CSO finds this substantial enough increase in the number of private rental homes. So we're just asking what's going on. And, you know, we can't answer it definitively, but it just appears that fewer landlords are registering the properties with the RTB. It just appears that there's an increase in unregistered tenancies rather than a decrease in tenancies. And and that is also supported by the fact that the government have said that they've seen there's thousands of people not availing of the rent rent credit, renter's credit, which is you need to be registered with the RTB to avail of. We've seen this now and we don't, yeah. and it's not even anecdotally. We, I've spoken to renters who've been told, look, I'll give you a, a, a deal on one month's rent there uh, rather than having to, to go through that um, rigmarole is how it says. So it does, it does actually, it, it pushes back on one narrative, but it also opens up a whole set of questions as to, you know, what, how effective is the RTB process, Leisha? Yeah, absolutely. And like Tony, we get complaints from tenants, from landlords and from estate agents about trying to deal with the RTB. There seems to be some major problems there in terms of responding to people um, the difficulties with trying to register tenancies. I mean, it's possible some landlords just gave up in frustration because they simply couldn't get a response from the RTB. Um, they're, you know, it, and, and then when what the really big problem with the RTB is when there's a really massive issue, like a rogue landlord that I covered, you know, a year or two ago, um, it was the, the tenant had just had a horrendous experience with this guy. This guy had convictions for um, putting people's lives at risk as a landlord. There's no methodology to bar people from being a landlord. And um, it was the Social Democrats TD, Keno Callahan, had originally put me in touch with the tenant who had contacted his office. Um, and the tenant had been given a fake name by the landlord. The landlord had come in, smashed up the property. And the RTB wasn't doing anything. It was just writing back to the tenant, literally saying, oh, you know, we can't verify the identity of this landlord. So kind of we're closing this case. Just coincidentally, I was going through photos this morning um, because Google was telling me you're almost out of space. And I actually saw, I remember seeing those pictures because I had them, I had been sent them as well of, of the damage that had been done to the property. And I remember going, where are they from? And then the whole story came flooding back. That's pure coincidence that I was looking at them again this morning, some of the things that had happened. Yeah, I mean, but that's, that's a severe rogue landlord, right? And that's where the RGB doesn't want to know. Like they were just telling this tenant, basically go away. Um, but Lisa, where, where are the houses that are the places that are for rent? Where are they? Is it that they are gone into short? Because anecdotally, we've had evidence over the last five years that there is a move from long-term rents to short-term rents. Is is that where the majority of it's gone or can we break no, it down? No, like that, that's separate from this because the RTB, or sorry, the census is counting permanent 
private rental homes. And that's where the 7% increase is. So this is a householder that has filled out the census and said, I'm a renter. So these are real renters. Do you know what I mean? The, yeah. there, will be, there will be housing stock obviously going to Airbnb, but that's not part of this story, if you know what I mean. Because okay. this, so, the, so, the, the, this is the census. This is the CSO counting private rental homes according to tenant who'd be the one filling it out. Now, I saw a very good comment online about it all and say, well, why would landlords register their 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 places when politicians are getting away with not registering their politicians or their places every day of the week? But there, it is actually an offence not to mm-hmm. register your place with you. I mean, this is this is really the key to it. It's an offence, but there is no... But it's an offence uh, in the way that it can only be... It, it's like an Irish offence. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like no one has ever, nobody has ever been convicted of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it is, It is. you know, it's a class law that's just not being implemented. Yeah. I mean, they could tomorrow solve it by implementing the laws tomorrow. Existing by, legislation. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't need anything new. And like there's a group, there's a residence group down in Cork who have been complaining about unregistered tenancies since 2017. And some of the ones they're still complaining to the RGB about today are the same ones they were complaining about in 2017. So even when the RGB identifies the property, they don't seem to be capable of bringing it into compliance. That's like, I mean, the, so so again, here we are at the situation whereby, you know, if if, if there's no accountability and there's no, there's no implications or there's no... No r- ramifications for you. You're just going to continue to do it the way the way you've been doing it. And now, like, but I suppose what I'm really getting at, what I think was really crucial, is we spend years listening to this narrative of you know landlords are fleeing the market. We need to. We had this conversation the other day, Martin, where I kind of found it quite offensive, Lisha, that um, in Dara O'Brien's piece, not Sunday there, but Sunday gone, he told I think Philip Ryan, the 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 official um, spokesperson for the government uh, in the Sunday Independent, that uh, they, they that he was going to look at an incentive for for um, what they what they call mom and pop landlords, and it would effectively mean that the mom and pop landlords, as they're calling them, would be paying less tax on what is you know, unproductive income, so it's it's rent, then the, the actual tenant who's working to pay pays in their PAYE. And it does seem very, a very strange situation that this is where we are. And yet the narrative is we need, you know, oh Jesus, why do you hate landlords? And, and you know, they're just mom and pop landlords. You, Martin, one quick question for you. What does the landlord get in the cinema? I don't know. Mom and popcorn. Hey, okay. <laughs> I, but Alicia, it's crazy. I, I, forget, no, I think I think what's happening at the moment is small landlords are leaving. Okay, mm. I'd imagine. Like, sorry, there needs to be a lot more research into this. I don't really know. I take it some small landlords are leaving, but we certainly know that they're giving their tenants notice and they're evicting them anyway on the grounds that they're selling. So you know that is happening. But the question is, are other bigger investment companies buying up some of those properties? Are they buying up other properties elsewhere? Like. I know just very anecdotally from speaking to a few people who are trying to buy a home to live in, they're still saying they're being outbid by investors. So yes, landlords are selling, but are other landlords coming in and buying? Like we need to find out what's really going on. And I I don't think we have a clear picture of what's really happening with it at the moment. So if if the small landlords are selling up, it's possibly because it's the top of the market. I mean, you know, a house in Dublin has probably gone up by a hundred grand just in the last couple of years. So in terms of, you know, wanting to to realize your asset, now's the time. 
There may be other reasons as well. You know, the RTB is definitely difficult to deal with. I would actually have a bit of sympathy with landlords on that one. Like, it's, it, there's no question that it is very difficult to deal with the RTB. And um, likewise, with I was saying about the rogue landlord situation, the same thing if you have a rogue tenant. Like, if you have somebody that's absolutely antisocial, disturbing the neighbours, trashing the property, you know, the RTB is not going to be able to take, is not going to be any use in that situation either. So I think there probably is small landlords leaving, but the census data would suggest there's other investment companies coming in and buying those. Leisha, can I ask you, um, we, we have had this narrative, and I think it's about five years we've had this narrative that landlords are fleeing the market. What The process of finding out the information that you found out, that, that it's not actually the case, what special tools did you have to do that, that other well-funded, VAT not paying media had? What were they missing? that you had what was that special um, gift that special insight intrigue that- i suppose i was waiting for those census results to come out martin because i had been talking to the residents group in cork so they were saying that the, a third of the tenancies in their area were not registered so i was waiting on the census results but no i didn't use any major investigative so, tool so, so, so you're telling census. me they hid this in plain sight for a couple of weeks before we got around to doing the story so yeah it was sitting out there for anybody to pick up on if they wanted I, to i am quite sure there are journalists but the I, length and breadth of bauer media who are just stop it now saying to themselves oh we should have got in there first but, but you know what well, no uh, Mar- <laughs> martin mate there is a more serious point here Alicia, because I often make the point when, for example, we see, okay, so two stories in, in the last week, and uh, I would be interested to get your insight on it. One of them, it was the whole about there's now 14 times more properties available on Airbnb than there are on daft.e. I maintain that that's also just actually what you're really saying there is that's the death knell of daft.ie as, as an advertising uh, platform. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, representative of the market. You know, it's, but unfortunately, we've spent so long in the property game thinking that daft.ie is the CSO and it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are definitely homes being rented out through other means that don't go up on daft. Yeah. Some people have said to me the most effective rental um, uh, advertising area now is Instagram. Right. That's interesting. I didn't even know that. Um, I know some of the bigger, I think, built rent ones, you know, they just rent them out themselves through their website or whatever. They maybe don't need to advertise them on that. People are so desperate now for housing that they'll stalk down anything that's happening in their area anyway, you know? Yeah. And 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 then the second thing is, which was, uh, I'm sure you probably saw it, is that, that you know, Iris Reed saying, we're now losing money. Uh, we're 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 now we're not making money anymore. We're we're the we're the biggest landlord in the country. We're making a loss. My heart bleeds. By the way, folks, it's yeah, really it's, it's devastating. Don't understand that either. But <laughs> well, there's a financial aspect to wanting to 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 come on some of this. But one of the interesting things here is Leisha is that, and this is what some of the things that you've covered when you were talking about other developments that were being built and how they were building them out with a built to rent block. You know, so we we're saying that we were we were going to build X amount of affordable housing, but there was going to be one part of it that was going to go to one one um one fund would would manage it. And you you covered this, whether it be O'Devney or some of the other deals that were done. The interesting thing is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm right in saying that if these, for example, Iris Reit and their five thousand um units are now loss making, the state can't really offer to buy them because 
our built to rent standard is lower than our built to sales standard, isn't it? Um, the the state would buy built rent standard though for social housing because they do that anyway through part five. Okay, okay. So so so. so so potentially there's we could we could say to Irish Street, look, it's terrible, you're making a loss. <laughs> but but because I know that there are it is it is a lower standard on built to rent as opposed to if um if if it, is, it is a lower standard and it is being assigned to people as their permanent social home. Okay. So 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 there's a contradiction there, but I think it's really interesting because you know, um you know, every 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 cloud is a silver lining, and maybe, maybe there's an idea there. Um I, I do I do think, think that, that is, Tony, yeah. Look, I it's great that they're doing tenants issue, right? Because it's keeping people in their homes instead of making them homeless. And Dublin City Council is doing a lot of this now where they're buying the home um that, that somebody if somebody's a half tenant and they're already a social tenant, that the council is purchasing and keeping that family from becoming homeless right that's absolutely brilliant but it's not adding to the overall housing stock so there's it's not as good as if they were or, or they sorry what i mean to say is they also need to be building yes oh yeah that's so 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 what you're doing is instead of saying if we have 100 homes now that now 11 of them are social homes as opposed to eight and and but we still only have 100 at the end of the day so it's not actually increasing supply Ireland yeah, like ha- you there, but if they bought up the iris reed ones right yeah. grand no harm as long as it's keeping people out of homelessness it's a good thing but it's still not increasing the overall housing stock so yeah. that's the point about the state building is to actually increase supply as well, you know. I, I saw, I don't know if you spotted it today, where one of the stories coming out was that uh, the LDA would be given $8 billion to to work with private developers to develop more sites. So it's, uh, yet again, we're still stuck on this, you know, fascination that it has to be through this private de- development delivery and model. And we're stuck on this thing, Tony, both Airbnb and, and the RTB, that we can't apply the laws that exist to and that's wealthy. crucial yeah and i mean yeah. that is that really is crucial we're talking we had lucinda Crichton in the sunday business post two weeks ago talking about zero tolerance on the streets of dublin a little zero tolerance of the wealthy breaking the housing rules would go a long long way to fixing the crisis that we have at the moment and it's yeah. like we're not asking we're not asking that they go out and arrest every single landlord. We're merely saying apply the laws as they exist. And if you stood as a candidate in a general election on that platform, the government would object to you, which is the most absurd situation I think I've ever come across. It's well, absurd. yeah, and it shows you're right, like about the politicians, it shows the prevalence of the number of unregistered tenancies. When everybody knows people living in unregistered tenancies and even politicians themselves, they're landlords of unregistered tenancies. It just goes to show how widespread it is. So there's, there's three of us here. So odds are one of us lives in a Robert Troy house. You know, that's just <laughs> that's just the statistics. Like. But like, we have, and it is funny because like we've had, since we did story, we've had journalists in all contexts who say, oh, actually, by the way, I, you know, off the record, I'm also in an unregistered tenancy. So it's it's very common, like, and um, it's not just students or any particular cohort. It's just very common and widespread, like. Leisha, you, you had a piece a while back about um, charities in Dublin, such as the Muslim Sisters of Era. And that it looks like they're going. The 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 state is going to start imposing some sort of licensing or permit or some some way to curtail 
people helping other people. Can you tell us a little more what's happening there? Yeah, so they're, um, the people would commonly know them as the soup runs. Obviously, you see them around the city centre giving out food to people um, who are either homeless or in food poverty. Now, a lot of the people queuing up for food at this stage are not actually homeless. Some are homeless, but a lot of others are just in dire food poverty. Maybe all the money is going on the rent, whether it's social welfare or wages. Sometimes somebody would be entitled to half, but the landlord won't accept it. So they'd be paying their whole wages nearly on, on the rent. So, so due to the housing crisis in a large part and the cost of living crisis, there's a rise in food poverty. So there's more and more people um, going to these services, which are just groups of ordinary people who have come together to provide this food on the streets. Um, there is a strong push for regulation. Um, partly there's there, there are issues and concerns with some of these. Like the one I went to now was fantastic. They had a huge range of food options and all home cooked and it looked great or whatever. I've also heard from some homeless people that they say they got sick from eating in one of these places. Now, you can't be 100% sure if that was definitely the cause. Um, so a couple of years ago anyway, they, the Health and Safety Authority went around and kind of pushed for them to start doing food safety, to abide by the food safety rules, um, which a lot of them have done now, have done training in food safety and things like that. Now Dublin City Council is saying that they want to curtail this further than just food safety. Um, the, the council management want to have certain places and certain times and a licensing system um, in place so that only those that are registered charities can um, continue to do this and that they would have to meet other requirements as well. Um, um, just, but I I kind of, I know from talking to the likes of um, Lorraine in the Muslim Sisters Airs, as Martin, that, 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 you know, the way they, they package their food now has changed, how they have to provide their food, how they have to, the quality standards that they have to achieve. But there is, Leisha, I put it to you, also another element to this. And we saw it, it was it played out on social media where famous actor Rory Cowan said that the, the super runs are taking the look off the city. They're making it look shabby because it's attracting yeah. a certain type of people. And there is an element of fear in me that what might be an essential service to people who who need to 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 eat could be uh could be done away with on the basis of well, actually, it's it's the bureaucracy will actually make it uh, something that can't be done, and it, it because there's a lot of attacks on Dublin at the moment. And Martin and me disagree on this. You know, this whole uh, I love I love Dublin, I always will. Uh, but Martin does. Martin shares the whole viewpoint that um, you know it's, it's gone to the dogs. Yeah, but I do think that the, the that you know there is a narrative there that, that it would actually help. Going back to how do I put it? Um, wasn't it the head of the Dublin Regional Homeless Executive who said, you know, giving homeless people uh, sandwiches and, and sleeping bags wasn't helping? Um, yeah. And this is the thing. So so Dublin City Council, <clears throat> like, look, th this licensing system will have to be agreed by the councillors. There are a lot of different views on this. Not everybody um, wants this to be restricted. Some councillors want to be sure that they're safe, that the they want to be sure that the food is safe, but they're not necessarily keen to push it, as you say, out of sight, out of mind. Like the Muslim Sisters of Era are there at the GPO. I know one councillor said to me, I don't want to see them moved from there. I want them to remain in O'Connell Street at the GPO. Um, so 
I think it's, yeah, it's a very, very complex issue. There may be an aspect, certainly, I think, of what you're saying. Um, the tents is a big one. So Dublin City Council has gives out rough sleepers sleeping bags, but then it complains when somebody else gives them tents. But sometimes if somebody feels that the hostels aren't safe or if they can't get a bed in a hostel on a given night, they will go to one of these groups and they will give them a tent. So do we want people lying on the street when they've come and looked for a tent? So these groups are doing more than just food. They're also giving out essentially humanitarian aid for people to survive on the streets as well. Um, So it needs to be very carefully examined as to what this sort of system would be. We've seen in other countries where they've introduced permits or licenses that it hasn't worked. And we've seen it particularly in the States where organizations that have spent a very long time helping people on the streets have suddenly stopped from doing so and then arrested and faced charges for operating without a license. We could end up with that here simply because the powers that be want to put it out of sight out of mind. But the underlying problem that there is food poverty in a country that produces, well, boasts produce enough food to feed 50 million people, that really is the underlying problem. And there's no moves to address that problem. Tony has spoken about it before, that we should at least be able to guarantee that everybody is fed every day in Ireland when we have the headline figure of we feed 50 million people. Mm. And like, you know, obviously you look at the UK, they've had food poverty problem for a long time. They have a lot of food banks. Um, I think those are struggling a bit to keep up to demand at the moment with the cost of living crisis. But we may need to open a series of food banks in Dublin. And a lot of the poverty relates to the housing crisis as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we've. The, the, I mean, you have. What is it? Uh, the the basic rent is now two, over two thousand. I mean, how do you, how do you survive on that? You how don't, do Martin. You, you don't. Like, I mean, I, um, John Harris. It's, it's, sorry, Alicia. John John Harris from the Guardian, who 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 does the did the, the anywhere but Westminster series, where he went and spoke to people queuing at food banks and the rest. He talks about the, the growth in the food bank industry, you know, um, and, and the individuals. And John's brilliant and, and actually will be on the pod next week. But um, we like we were talking to, was talking to him about it and he was saying how it's this kind of, um, you know, it's an essential service. And that's what's wrong with everything is that it's essential. Um, you know, it's 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 such an imbalance, and here we are now in Ireland's case, in what's supposed to be the wealthiest country in the EU, the booming economy. Our GDP is outstripping everybody every year. Even during COVID, we didn't go into recession because of these magic numbers that we have, and and yet we're talking about this conversation right now about that. And we and go back and listen to the conversation we had with Joe Pina from the Portuguese government the other day, because what they were saying they were trying to do was step in and 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 do their. Uh, they know they've got a really bad housing crisis there. They they are absolutely not. They're not. Um, they're not under. They're under no illusion as to how bad it is. But they've said whereas what what Martin just said, like the the when the rents are at certain levels. They're refusing to pay them or the state are actually stepping in to say, well, here's how we have to bridge this because the rents are just too high. Leisha, can I ask just one one other thing on the that, that you wrote about? And it comes back to Dublin again. So so apologies to our non-Dublin listeners, but um you also did the story about the closing of the laneway 
right? Um, and and if you're familiar at all with town, the particular laneway that, that we're talking about was uh, it's been for decades. It's decades, Alicia, been used as a as a as a thoroughfare for people who have um, substance abuse issues, and they're using they're using in, in a certain area. And much like the soup runs that, that you said that they want the permit, I put it to you that that story again speaks of just just abject failure because the idea is then well what we'll do is rather than actually deal with the underlying cause we'll just close the laneway yeah i suppose it's it's a bit of a, a difficult one i i don't know if there was some assaults took place in that laneway i think there have been as you say people have been using it to take drugs for a long time the businesses want to closed there's a lot of businesses that back onto it like pubs the laughter lounge different things like that mm-hmm. they they wanted the council to close it off but the question is then, you know, if you close one, are all the businesses in who back onto laneways going to start saying, well, you know, the solution is like just close it and then you're shutting down the routes to get through the city. So, yeah, I think they, they will have to find other solutions apart from just closing lanes because, you, you know, how are you going to get around if, you know, you it, it, we should be opening these things up. And I think the council know that as well. Like they don't necessarily, this is the last route they really want to go down, but it's it's not a great look if it's the nearest lane to O'Connell Street and and, and it's the city centre and they're closing them. So, um, and it is it is actually the laneway is used because it does link you from the well, people do the, walk through it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lewis it links you from the Lewis through to the buses there on the keys. That's what it links you yeah. through to. It does. It absolutely does. I mean, again, it comes back to maybe they should provide more public toilets as well. Like I saw a couple of people go to the toilet down there, but then there are no public toilets in the city centre. So, uh, well, you know, we've no toilets, we've no bins um, in the city centre. And that is down to the management Dublin City Council who believe, thoroughly believe, don't build it and they won't come. And yeah. that is their mantra. Uh, I know. I, I would put that, I would actually challenge that and say the big issue around bins has been, unfortunately, was the privatization has been a disaster, Martin. And when you privatized it now, I mean, we know people who are struggling to pay bills and the private. Uh, bin charges aren't cheap if you're if you're struggling to pay everything. And I know people who go around and fill public bins with their with their domestic well, waste. Just a little aside on that. Since and and just because we've mentioned bins, it's just a little side. Since the privatization privatization of refuse collection, the rate of recycling has dropped off off literally off a cliff. Privatization is the problem. It, we had better rates of recycling when it was through central taxation. So it, it hasn't worked. Same as the RTB hasn't worked. Same as relying on daft for housing figures hasn't worked. You know, and, and Tony, you say this a lot. You know, what gets measured gets done. And if they're not measuring things properly, how can we possibly hope to solve any of the problems, particularly in housing? Well, this brings us back to again the, 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 what Leisha works has been working on, Leisha. And I just want to oh, can we just come back to the original story? The data that you collated that was in the CSO report shows that the narrative about you know um, landlords absolutely no one's saying landlords aren't leaving, but they also are realizing the value of an asset. That we know that they get the the like, and the house doesn't disintegrate after they sell it. It still has to be used in some way, shape, or form. But the question then comes back to to you many journalists then coming on to you saying, um, you know, what does that say about the the narrative of 
the the idea that we don't we don't have a, a growing rental market when the CSO facts say, stats say we do. No, no, the journalists that contacted me afterwards were just telling me that they, they themselves were living in unregistered yeah. tenants. <laughs> um, I, 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 I can point that to them, I know myself. You know? Yeah, like there's loads of people living in unregistered tenancies, right? But I think that the the interesting thing maybe would be to get more research done now to find out what is happening because we know small landlords are selling they're probably selling a lot of properties in cities where they're in the where they're rent controlled. The concern I would have, Tony, is as we get a larger number of the bigger corporate um, landlords, is that driving up rents more? You know, you, anecdotally, you hear stories of people who are with a small landlord. They've been with the same landlord for years. He hasn't raised the rent in years, and they're paying well below market. Obviously, then you get the bad landlords, the rogue landlords. Like you get all. You get a variation when you're dealing with an individual person because they're human beings, right? That variation is gone if everything is a corporate landlord. So the idea that we're better off with corporate landlords compared to small landlords, from the point of view of the tenant, that's not what we're hearing from tenants. They're yeah. not happy to be paying three grand a month. And then when they go to get maintenance done, they have the same problems anyway. Yeah. Um, the system is dysfunctional, though. It is though. It is it is definitely dysfunctional. Oh yeah, it's it's completely mad, but it's what's happening. It's it's hard to even understand what's happening with it, if you know what I mean. Because definitely there is a lot of landlords selling up at the moment. Well, Leisha, all I can say is congratulations on your scoop. It was it and as Tony said, it's it's the story. It really should have been headline news. That it was headline made. news, but but it wasn't. I thought people should have been sat down and said, said straight to look me in the eye and say, "What have you been saying for the last couple of couple of years?" And what what? How do you tell you? It's, the, it's yes. the impact of what's being said is that policy has been written off the back of landlords are fleeing the market, and now we know that's not the case. And yet we're still going to write policy in the upcoming budget for landlords who are in the market and they're not there. Well, Martin, so I put it to you. I put it to you that's I that's a, there's two objectors in the in the Housing Commission currently to the idea of the right to housing is in a, ref, a referendum of the right to housing. One is a private developer and the other one is the person behind DAF.ie. Yeah. Make it that one what and, you will. You know, an over-reliance by mainstream media on DAFT, which is you know, a vested interest of some mainstream media. So let's be honest about it. Over-reliance on one set of figures. Lish, I think it's, I do. I think it's an award-winning story. I think somebody... Well, thank you, Martin, but, um, I, but I, I certainly think, do. I certainly I, do. I think the other interesting aspect of it is why the number of registered tenancies is actually falling as well. Hmm. So, like, there was better compliance, according to the RGB figures. There was much better compliance in 2017 than there is now. So yeah. what is the cause of that is really interesting. Because well, if the sector is becoming more professionalized, then surely everything should be registered. Yeah. My view on it, and it's just a personal view on it, is that since sort of 2018, we've had we've had politicians blown up for being unregistered landlords. And they've been able to say, Meh makes no difference and walk away with it. I, and even though it is an offence under under legislation to do that, 
that the rest of the landlords are looking and saying, well, if they can get away with it, why can't I? Uh, get I'd away say with I'd it? say there's a bit of everything, Martin, because I know people, landlords who've had, as as Leisha hinted at the outside, spoke about landlords have had negative um, interactions with the RTB. They've had, you know, they're like, why am I paying these people this couple of, you know, couple of hundred quid every year when they won't even uh, honor, you know, the, the, the things that they're supposed to. So there is, there is, there's a, it, it's a lot of things, but what it is not is um, a situation whereby it should be dictating, uh, I put it, uh, as Martin said, policy, but also narratives that we hear in the media time and time again, whereby, you know, like, again, I, I, Sorry, folks, for keep repeating myself, but I thought Conal O'Farrita, who who put it, he put it the best. We used to call mom and pop landlords when we were kids millionaires. Okay, <laughs> that's what we called them. Right. So so let's let's move away from that bullshit and let's uh, let's face the, the the facts. And the facts are as as Leisha has presented them show that there's actually a growth in this in in some of this area. So 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 well done, Martin is right. Well done. I think it's a, I think it's a great story, and I think it should be yeah uh, and. And we do admire the work you you do. And we do admire the work that the uh, Dublin Enquirer do. Uh, so so uh, we we big supporters of you guys. Uh, e- even if um, if uh, Sam gives me a hard time and he's uh, he's a, he's he's a bit he's a bit of an, an American centrist. You know what can I tell you? <laughs> so, Leisha, we're looking forward to the next big story that you scoop everybody on. But no, honestly, really well done. Really well done. Congratulations. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. No worries. Listen, folks, we are back talking. As I said, I think we mentioned yesterday the um, assassination of a presidential candidate in Ecuador. And we're going back to the region with our pal in in, uh, Colombia, Nicholas de Leal. Uh, and there's also a school teacher going to talk about their personal experience of the rental market and the effect that we're, we're facing into this September of schools not being able to fill vacancies because no one could get anywhere to live. It's it's that's the that's the lived that's the lived reality now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. And we'll talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony speaking to interesting people. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.